of Adel Amarcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Amarcy. And here today, you're in for a treat because this is uh, this is truly kicking it old school. And what I mean by that is the person I actually have on the show with me today is none other than Alison Lex. Some of you may actually know who she is. Some of you may not have had the pleasure or displeasure. I don't know how it really swings because uh, she'll make you laugh, but she'll she'll hand you your ass if you ever get in her way. And I know that I know that from uh, from a very very factual basis of uh, experience. Anyway, Allison is a fellow badass copywriter. She's someone that I came up with in the industry. Um, for you new copywriters out there, don't become rivals with everyone that also writes copy. Become like friends and like a rivalry. Think Goku Vegeta. You know they're friendly. They're together, but you know, and they have each other's backs. But they still go to work. And Allison and I have had that for years. So now mm-hmm. I'm going to shut the fuck up and actually invite my very good friend, Allison Lex. Allison, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I think this is the second time I've been on. It is the second time you've been on, though. I don't know if, uh, I don't know when we released the, f- I think you were in season one. I think it was like way a long time ago. Wait, was <laughs> I still living in Plymouth? I think you might have been. Holy shit. Or, yeah. or it was right after you moved to London. No, it was in Plymouth. It was in Plymouth. Yeah. I remember because we were at my, I was at my, I was only using my desktop at the time. I didn't have a laptop with me at the time. And there you go. Um, holy crap, have times changed? <laughs> I know. You're a mom. That's another thing as well that's that we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, uh, like I know the show is going to sound a little bit crazy and bear with us. You're guaranteed, guaranteed to have a couple of laughs with us. You're going to enjoy some really old school fun stories. But more importantly, we're actually going to share some really cool information because Allison is one of those copywriters. See, I have a hit list of copywriters I don't fuck with. And what I mean by that is these are copywriters that if I get their controls, unless I've got like a 12 week window to write a really good sales piece, the answer is no, because I know I've got to come correct and come like prepared with one of these 15 copywriters I have on my list. And Allison is one of them. She's like one of my top 15. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, dude, no, I'm legit scared of writing against you because I know if I if I know if I go against you, if it's curse if it's like a cursory sales thing, it's like, hey, we only need to like improve it like a smidgen, like crank it up just by like half a percentage or a percentage. I don't mind doing that with like your copy because I know it's well researched. It's mostly cosmetic shit that you know you're taking care of, like. Exactly. Remove, remove a single word I wouldn't use or hey I see what she's got in here but I can make it shorter that kind of thing um, or I can say it a little bit more concisely I have that and I'm comfortable with you but I know if it's one of those pieces that you're like you really knocked it out of the park like I because I know you're one of those people who just comes ready to go and if they come exactly. to me it's like we need to beat this like this has to be a control beater I'm gonna like like I said, unless I've got three months, I'm not trying. The reason I need three months is because I need about six weeks worth of like research time, two weeks of talking to people, about a week of meditation on the damn thing, one week writing, one week crying, and the last week editing and finishing off to even stand a chance. And don't forget calling Allison to, to talk about it in the first place. <laughs> Oh, yeah, obviously, I'll do the cuts. Like, hey, I'm going to write one of you control beaters. Can we go? Oh, cool. Try this. I thought about doing that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, this is what I mean by you have, like, a good rivalry. We just support each other the entire way through. It's like, have you looked at this? 
Well, and I think it's important to to come into it with the right mindset, right? Yeah. So, look, I run my business because I want to create a life for me and my family, and my business supports that, of course. But if that was the only thing I was in it for, then I wouldn't have a lot of fun with it like I do. But I really genuinely want to see my clients succeed. Now, of course, there are a couple clients that I'm like, I don't care what you do. I'm over you. But <laughs> we don't talk about them. I genuinely want to see my clients succeed. I genuinely want to see these businesses uh, thrive. And if you can come in and even increase response by a couple of percent, you know, a, a half a percentage point, that's a win for the client. And I think it's also really important because you mentioned like beating a control and then you talked about this half a percent thing. Half a percent can mean a lot. And if you yeah. can increase your conversions by a half percent, do it test and do what you can because you go a half a percent here, a full percent there, a half a percent here. Well, now you're at 2% sales lift with three changes. That's a big, you know, they, they compound on each other. So I think that's really important for everybody listening. Like take the incremental wins. Don't just look for the big ones because the incremental ones will exponentially build on each other. Yep. They really do. And that's what I mean. Like even like little wins. And what I mean by small pieces where you're just cast three little changes i get this as well like um john benson one of the greatest copywriters of all time let's be honest let's put him right up there mm -hmm. like the dude invented the vsl right <laughs> like have you invented a fucking modality of selling shit no motherfucker he did <laughs> i wish i could say i did <laughs> yeah my invention is i came up with the story selling blueprint which is a structural piece on 17 like points I can I can't I can credit myself for creating that because it works, but is it like as me, it's a media channel he basically created? Okay. Yeah, dude, it's not the that, VSL. That, like that, as that's... much as I love you and what you've created, it's not the VSL. <laughs> no, it really is. There's like my contribution is like I'll put it in my top 100 things that could be done to better our industry. Just like I know you have, everyone's kind of contributed, but like when you get to the top 10 or even the top three. <laughs> you have no chance of ever beating it like like someone right. gave the way i can actually put this in context is a friend of mine presented me with the most annoying argument ever and his name is adam lyons and we're gonna have him on the show very soon you're in for a treat so adam basically posed this on his birthday to me the other day his friend believes that ahas take uh, take me on or take on me whatever it is um that song is the pinnacle of musical creativity and nothing will ever top it. And he has okay. a point. Because they're the first band to ever combine synth music, um, like basically computer-generated music, synth guitars, and actual instruments into their music. Mm. And their music video was groundbreaking because it incorporated animation and real-time, uh, yep. basically joined together. And there is nothing that's come out that has actually been more creative than that day. It's only been built upon that. There is nothing that basically comes. It's a creation onto itself. Yeah, that does make me angry. I know, right? Because, well, because he's, I mean, he's don't right. get me wrong. The song's now stuck in my head, but um, yeah, no, that makes me angry. And actually, I think I was, I think with a, with a partner, or, you know, a little, like, side venture thing I was doing. I think we were going to take Adam Lines on as a client. Yeah. 
Uh, actually, he's, um, that's pretty cool. He's actually, uh, he and I have been working together on a couple of things. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm glad he's got some good help. Oh, yeah. He and and that's, that's the whole thing with competition versus collaboration. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm, now I'm genuinely happy for Adam. He's got some good help. Exactly. And it's always the case of, like, um, I know we've had it where we want, um, what was it? I had a client call me and say, hey, I'm also speaking to Alison Lex about this co- co- this copy piece that I want to get written. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and this is what I mean as well. Um, we've both got, I think we've both got to a point where we know how much we charge, like right off our bat. Like we know exactly this yeah. is how much we want. And I know our numbers are a little bit different, but that's because we do slightly different things. For slightly different people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like I'll give you an example, like, uh, and I do know this. I once wrote, so this is a client that I think I had come on and work with me instead of you, but I can't remember who it was because it was years ago. Um, they actually said to me, I'm also speaking to Alice and Lex, and my first response was, oh, that's so awesome. Tell her I said hi, and also good, lu- uh, good luck um, with her because she's amazing. If you can get in and work with her and she says yes, you're in for a treat. So immediately actually positioned Allison as being picky with her clients, which actually ups your exclusivity and you can actually charge more. Right. Just people listening. Told you, copywriting nuggets will be dropped in this, in, this, in this call. But at the same time, I've had people that have reached out to me and I say, you know what, actually that's not 100% in my wheelhouse, but here, call at all. Exactly. Like we literally pass stuff on to each other all the time. And, it, it's and crazy. if you're looking, right. You were saying, no, no, you were saying, I, I was going to say, if you're looking to hire people to help you in your business, you want people with relationships like that in place. The reason is, is you're not going to get people who will just take on everything in order to keep it all for themselves. And you don't get the actual expert you need. You're going to have people who say, you know what? It's just out of my lane. I'm going to pass you to somebody whose lane this is. You're going to get the best help there. And then whatever we have behind the scenes, as far as how we financially thank one another <laughs> is doesn't touch you, Yep. you know? Um, because frankly, I get referrals to people. I give referrals to people that don't pay me and I give referrals to people that do pay me. I choose the best person for the job. It doesn't matter if I get paid. That's just extra, you know, food on my table or whatever. Um, that's not really a big consideration for me as far as commissions are concerned. So really you want to look for people that have that attitude of collaboration with people in their industry. Now there are copywriters that are direct competitors with me and we're friendly, but we're frenemies. Yeah. That's the difference though. You know, but that's because they're, they are direct, like they are literally going after the same exact clients to do the same exact service. And our pricing might be a little different, but they are direct, direct competitors. And that's a yeah. slightly different relationship. I'm not yeah. going to send them anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's basically like when you know you're on the same level is what I'm getting at. Like, And what I mean by exactly. that, it's uh, you're on the same pay level um, that you set for yourself. Yeah. I mean, pay level, experience level, ability level, results level. I feel like they all kind of work together. Um, so just same level in general. And I do look to work with people who have the same attitude about it as I do to serve the client. Yeah. You know, I want the client to be successful. Yeah. It's exactly what we all want, um, Mm -hmm. is our clients to succeed. And what I was getting at by that is, uh, and this is just a clear example. This is not a bad thing towards anyone. 
Um, if say for instance, Allison ends up, um, so, so Allison and I go for the same client, like, you know, they both approach us and this is a perfect example for you. If you actually have this and it's a good way to handle it, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, so the way I write is, um, I work more with product launches for, uh, info products specifically, not, not even info products, but like I write for basically everything. So if you're an expert, that's my field. Um, it's Allison's as well, but it's kind of like where they're at in their business. Cause for me, it's like half mm -hmm. a million to 10 million. So, cause they've got to be able to afford my fee. I don't know what your right. niche is now, but I'm going by like years ago, like when, like four, four years ago. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Well, yes. Yeah, so you work mostly with product launches. Um, and I do, I do launch copy too. Yes. I don't necessarily put an income on it. Um, you know, they need to be at least well-established, but we're probably, you know, up to the seven figure. I also work a lot with list building, um, obviously overarching strategy, uh, evergreen copy. I do a lot of evergreen stuff. Right. Same. And follow up. Exactly. Um, that's really where I'm niching too is, is into the, the email marketing. Um, I have a program. It's actually really cool. Um, called Funnel 365. Shit, really? And I, um, it's basically, I create, it's for people who have one main program or course mm -hmm. that they sell. And it's typically better for high ticket, but it can work for any. And it's, um, I will create a year's worth of follow-up plan. And so it doesn't mean an email every day, but um, I will map out year. the first 365 days after they sign up for your free whatever, your PDF, your webinar, your what have you. Yeah, so it's basically end-to-end um, -end on a high-end product. So you've basically taken care of like the entirety of that kind of marketing headache for them. Yeah, and it, it includes nurture and then the call to action to get them into you know, either booking the call for the sales call or to the sales page or what have you. And so that's really where I'm looking is, is the follow-up. Um, front end sales pages, you know, you know, those can be tweaked and yeah. Yeah. messed with to, but I think the, the follow up is really where a, a lot, lot of people are put, the money's and, lost, and yeah. money's lost, right? Especially with Facebook ad prices going up, you know, the, the real estate's getting smaller there. Um, there are other ad networks you can use, obviously Instagram and Twitter and, but, and Google yeah, and they're not as effective you know, anymore. And it, it's basically, there's just so much. Yeah, I agree with you. There is literally there so much. So list building is a big thing that you got to be doing anyway. And I kind of want to jump on a strategy with that in just a minute. Um, but the, yeah. do you mind if I actually like circle back for a sec? Yeah, go for it. Cool. So what I was actually going to say was like, so the way that you work with them uh, back in the oh, day, yeah. at least. So the way I saw it was, I um, <laughs> yeah, could I, huh? I ADD'd right away from the point you were making. Oh, it's all good. This is why you and I get along. I know exactly. I can track shit, and so can you. It's, yeah. it's one of the best things about our conversations. Like, we'll open up six or seven, and then by the end, we'll be finished with all of them. It's the best. Um, That's a good copy point, too. Remind me of that later. Okay, cool. Uh, Opening the loops. Open loops and rabbit holes. Got it. Cool. Uh, well, I, as I like to call it, roots. And, what was it? Uh, what was it? Roots and rabbits. It's sometimes one of the weird analogies I have for it. But anyway, kind of coming back to this because we will jump down that rabbit hole in a minute. Um, yeah, so when we were going through that, the way that we collaboratively worked was if I knew a client had a budget of like two to $8,000, right? Mm -hmm. I knew that was their budget. 
And I know my fees at the time were like 10,000 minimum. Like right now it's 18,000 is my minimum package. Well, except for the 60 minute sales, I think, but that's like um, an yeah. hour of me, like just spe- speaking copy, which right. let's be honest, that is my one superpower that I know I have over most other copywriters, by the way, is not a lot of copywriters can speak copy into existence. Mm-hmm. So that's a little fun thing, but we can discuss that. Superpowers is also another copy point that we need to uh, get onto. But what I was going to say, um, always opening loops. Um, <laughs> but what ended up happening was at the time, so like it was 10 grand and above. If the client had, if it was a 10 grand piece and they're like, hey, I'm looking to work with Allison, Lex, and you know, this is what's, what's going on. I'll speak her up as always. I'm like, hey, whoever you work with, you know, you're in good hands. But at the same time, obviously I'd go for the close to get the client as would Allison. But if it was someone that say they only had like a two to 8,000 and for me at the time, that amount of money wouldn't have garnered my work attention flow that I needed to live by because of my own expenses. Um, and I knew that, hey, if I leave this client, go, let go, if I charge them less than 10, I'm not going to be serving them because my bills are not going to be paid. I'm going to have to take on a second client. But also at the same time, if I let them go, they can go to a really shit copywriting and get completely screwed over. Right. So at that point, I'm like, hey, Allison, you got bandwidth? And she's like, yeah, why? I'm like, I've got this guy. His budget is between two and eight grand. He's yours. Right. And it's just like, that's how we played the game of like making sure our clients looked at, were looked after. Exactly. And I think too, it, you know, the pricing, I think a lot of people think like, I'm just trying to figure out how to say this because I don't want people to think, oh, Adol is either like a bajillion times better or a bajillion times overpriced or a bajillion times this. It's really, you know, he has chosen his pricing based on the number of clients he's willing to take each month. And And also like exactly, yeah. And it's basically what you, and that's the beauty of copywriting. Because like to give you an idea, there was a really good copywriter who um, he's asked me not to mention his name, which is weird. But he's really private about who he writes for because of how he mm-hmm. runs his business. He, when he was back in the heyday, he was doing, um, he was charging literally up to like 50 to 100 grand for a sales letter. He was mm-hmm. amazing. Now, he literally only charges clients um, $4,000. Right. And I asked him why. And he goes, Adel, I've already made all the money I need in the world. Four grand basically is all I need to live a very happy lifestyle and not worry about anything in my life. Like I just get to play around. It goes, my future is secure, but four grand a month basically just pays my bills. So like if I ever go, if I ever need money, I can pull from this mountain of cash I saved up. But my Mm -hmm. life right now is just entirely this. And that's what I mean. My lifestyle was more expensive uh, Mm -hmm. at the time. I know prices have gone up and also it's, what you're also paying for, by the way, for the people that think, oh my God, it's a bit, like, ads a bajillion times more expensive. Why? You're also paying for the experiences in that marketplace of what we've both gone into. Exactly. Like, I've, like, I know for a fact by the end of 2019, I did over $700 million for my clients in sales from all the work I've done. So I know, okay, if I go and write for a client and my average client, I know exactly, like, say, for instance, they do a 10% conversion rate. And they actually make a million dollars every single time I do a launch with them. Um, I know I'm comfortable charging $18,000 because I'm like, that's 18 grand knowing they'll make a million. Right. So I can set that. Whereas if they go to Allison, Allison doesn't know their actual metrics just yet because some clients don't share those metrics with you. They just want you. Yeah. They just want (laughs) you to like go so they can like drive the price down. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Because like if they said, hey, we got a 10% conversion rate on this sales center, can you beat it? And someone like Allison steps up to the plate and she's like, 10%, bitch, please, let me show you how it's done. And she knows she can get a 15 to 20%. She can charge as much as she wants. So if the other guy charged 25, 30, she can charge even more because she knows she'll make the client more money. Right. And a lot of my clients too tend to not have those numbers. Um, I write a lot of first funnels. Yeah. Um, you know, people who are, are more not breaking into the industry, but maybe like coaches who have gone from, um, you know, only having one-on-one clients to now having a group coaching or only having group coaching to having a self-study or things like that. So I actually help them through that process as well of developing their program or product, um, which comes at a, a fee as well. But so, you know, I think we're, we're really talking like it looks like on the surface that you and I are really true competitors based on the niche, but the, the details within that niche, kind of what we really specialize in and who, right? My, my client may be a million dollar business yeah. in the one-on-one space, but they're not a million dollar business in the self-study space. And that's where we're breaking into. So we're kind of, kind of breaking new ground, building new lists, creating new follow-ups. So there's a lot of new assets created. And I think that that's also really important when you either are a copywriter or are hiring a copywriter to look at those nuances as well. Where do you really find that you fit in the most? Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. You got to know your shit. And that basically comes from experience. So go out there and write. Oh yeah. I've written for so much more than just the coaching space. I'm same. I, I think oh my gosh. If you do like, home construction, I got you covered, boo. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. You're like, it's the same as if you ever jump into anything to do with dating, health, uh, like mm-hmm. even like trading, which I hate. I don't like writing trading copy anymore. Um, and what I mean by trading copy, I mean like, um, see, I had a very good one. So my, la- I'll tell you why. So my last experience with a trading copywriter, a uh, copy client was my very good friend, Casey. And I loved it. The reason that I don't like writing it is because I know how much uh, study I have to go into doing it. And I oh, don't yeah. like studying the math. That's why I'm yeah. not a fan is because I don't like studying the math. Because um, it gets super technical and you got to learn jargon and shit. So. Well, and, you know, with, um, so I've tried to write for the supplement space. Mm-hmm. Oh, boo, uh-huh. I got you covered if you ever need help on that one. I have written for Agora a couple of times. Sweet. Um... No, I suck. <laughs> I suck with supplements. That's just not my space. <laughs> like, they, God love them. They've tried really hard <laughs> to get me in there. But it just, the the style is so different. And, um, you know, it's an honor to have been kind of recruited, I guess. Somebody saw me speak that worked for Agora and she brought me in and so, so an honor that they, they liked what I had to say. It just stylistically and, and everything, it just didn't work with what which they like, ha- which sometimes which happens, totally happens. And they're not, everybody's the right fit for everyone. Um, you know, and frankly, most of the time I don't even tell people the second half. I just say, yeah, I've written for Agora a couple of times, <laughs> but we're unplugged. So that's what we got to do. Right. <laughs> Exactly, but this is the thing. We just have fun with the show, and guys, just realize that everything that goes, uh, everything that we do that goes on, um, with businesses, this is just the truth of what there is. Like you can't, 
if you ever hear of any copywriter like talking a load of shit about how it's amazing and super easy and blah 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 yeah it's hard cool. as hell no no like cool cool story bro um how many millions have you fucking made how right. many ad campaigns have you fucking bled over and written? How many have you lost? How many times have you actually mailed in with so much anxiety that it almost breaks you? Because if you've never done that, and this is a message for any copywriter that's never done this, fuck you. You are not a copywriter. You've not done it until you hit that anxious point because you've not written anything worthy. And I know that sounds like a kick in the balls, but it is. The truth is when you start getting anxiety, when you hand shit in, that's when you really care. That's when everything is made, and I can say that because David Ogilvy, Drayton Bird, who is David one like was very close friends with David Ogilvy, even told me like very recently when they used to hand in copy pieces, David was the most nervous person in the fucking room because he was scared that the client would not like it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that level of care, you need to go out there and write something even crazier than you've done before because you've been playing it way too safe. And you've been actually letting your clients down and no one likes that. So stop being a dick about it. Now, I do want to ask this whole question about emails because everyone will be mad at me if I don't mention them. Because I have my own theories and opinions on emails, but I'd love mm-hmm. to know exactly how you write yours. Because you've got like a whole thing where you plan out the strategy. And again, long-term email is still king. Everyone can say it's dying. It's very much alive. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what is it that you're noticing in trends today that are still in line are they still in line with kind of like the old school or have they changed slightly with emails um i think email is kind of following the same trend as pretty much everything else as far as you know social and online um people are going to come back to what they look forward to what they find valuable um and what catches their attention Right. And the thing is, you know, Facebook feeds, the, you know, the algorithm, everybody wants to lament about the algorithm. But let's be honest, if you in, if your customers were interacting with your page, it would show up in their Facebook feed. Exactly. If your customers want to see their, your emails, they will. Yeah. So um, it's not the algorithm. It's not the delivery. It's how much you're showing up the way that you promised you would. Now, that does not mean that you have to give away the farm in order to get people interested in you. It means doing what you promised you would do when they signed up. Did you promise them important news and tips and money-making information? Then you need to deliver on that instead of just selling them something new every week. Um, And so what I like to do with email is really look at the full journey of lead to buyer, right? And not everybody that signs up for your email list is going to be ready to buy right when they do. A good a good portion are, which is why I always say, you know, sell to them immediately. Um, cause that's when they're the hottest. That's when they've raised their hand and said, I'm interested in this information and solving this problem. But some people are just not going to be ready to hit that buy button. And that's okay because what you now have is a pipeline. Okay. And so if you've never been in sales or worked with sales, I worked in a sales department for a couple years. Um, I was the only woman. Yes. It was a frat house. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) and so really if you don't have a pipeline of leads, you're dead. And what a pipeline is, is you have some leads that are ready now 
some leads that are going to be ready in, in X amount of time, some leads that are going to be ready in X times two amount of time and so on and so forth. And so depending on the length of your sales cycle, your pipeline might be for the year or for the month or whatever. Um, and so if you think of your email list as a pipeline, I'm actually going to do a whole training on this. This is good shit. Um, yep, if you think it. of your email list as a pipeline, then you can really plan your marketing to bring people automatically through that pipeline. And the way that you do that is you ask them, what do they need to know, do, or achieve in order to take the next step toward the buying decision? And then you create content that helps them do that, know, do, or achieve thing, right? So if they need to know what a copywriter is, before they could ever think about hiring one, you create content that explains in depth what a copywriter is. Then if they need to try doing their own copy before they could think that copywriting has value, you create a training, for instance, that would help them do some copy on their own. And if they need to achieve a certain income in order to pay your fee, then you create something that would help them achieve that income in a certain amount of time. And so you plan out your marketing in that way and then have peppered throughout there what I call Goya emails. Get off your ass. Um, so a Goya email is basically just a call to action to, hey, book a call with me or, hey, hire me or, hey, buy this thing. And um, like I said, the, the follow-up that I create really works best when you have one core offering and then an ascension ladder behind it, not a bunch of front end products. So, um, you know, you might have your, your autoresponder right after the lead magnet and then drop into nurturing for a week or two and then hit them with the Goya and then hit them with a specific kind of email, then hit them with the Goya, then another email, then some nurturing, then you know what I mean? And so it's all spaced out. And when I do it for clients, I look at historically when their people are opening emails, um, if they are tolerant of a lot of emails or they prefer fewer. And so we plan it out that way and then fill in with the content they need to move toward that buying decision. Yeah. So that's, that's my spiel on emails. Yeah. Motherfuckers. Sorry. It's resist. <laughs> um. So it's, you know, but the thing is, if you think of, all of the other channels you're using, whether you're speaking from the stage or using podcasts, which like this as a guest, I do, um, yeah, Facebook ads or organic traffic on any social media. You have a YouTube channel, you're networking. I don't care if you're advertising in the yellow. Actually, I do care if you're advertising in the yellow pages. Just don't do that. Yeah, they are dead. They, that, that is that dead. is something that is dead. <laughs> But there are industry and trade magazines that are not dead. So I would love to see some of your listeners look at potential offline sources of leads and revenue because Hells, it's yeah. not all dead. Oh, um, no. um, oh, by the way, do you, do you want me to give you like a really cool like direct mail thing that I'm actually doing in January? Hold on. I'm going to write that down on our circle back list because, cool. well, actually, go ahead because I forgot what I was saying. Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're actually saying oh. about trade magazines and Yeah, people. yeah. So it doesn't – if you think of all of these other platforms as a really great traffic source to your email list, now, you can sell on your traffic source. Of course, you can sell on your YouTube. You can sell on Facebook. And that. And a lot of people have had a lot of success with that. I follow and am friends with a number of people who sell almost exclusively from their own Facebook wall. And it's awesome. Um, 
but the the person that I'm thinking of that sells very, very well on his Facebook wall is now consulting with me on how to build an email list. That's how important email is. He has built an entire business on nothing but his Facebook wall. Hundreds of thousands of dollars and now wants to build an email list. Yeah. So it's crazy that how, how effective email lists are for everyone that say they're not. Right. <laughs> um, no, and he never actually said anything against email lists. He just never bothered to build oh, one. Oh, no. I mean, not him. Like, there are people out there that actually like say email lists are stupid and don't ever listen oh, to Oh, I them. know. But yeah. you notice how they're telling you about it? Yep. They're sending like, me an email. email. Yep. Yeah. That's just always the <laughs> dumbest thing. Anyway. He feels dead. That's why so, I'm going to email you about it. So I'll tell you about this direct response thing that I'm testing. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I've got the service 60-minute sales letter. Uh, so 60minsalesletter.com. Because someone else owns 60-minute sales letter, which is weird. But anyway, um, the whole service is, remember that whole, like, I verbalized copy because you see me do it so many goddamn times? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I started to offer that as a consulting gig. Um, but I could never actually figure out how. In fact, Dan Kennedy told me to up my prices. So I've upped my prices to, like, $5,000 now for the hour. Mm-hmm. And I could like, it's really hard to sell five grand an hour to someone for quote unquote consulting because they mm-hmm. just think it's consulting, but it's right. not what I do. So I was speaking to one of my mentors and he was like, I explained it to him within 30 seconds. He went 60 minute sales letter. I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit. How did I think of this? He was like, cause you're too Don't close. Don't you hate to it when people do that? Yeah. Cause then you're just like, why didn't I think, oh, cause I'm close to this. Fair enough. I need right. an outside. Opinion. Why didn't I, the professional seasoned veteran copywriter have to go to someone else to name my shit. I don't mind because he, he he nailed it in one. I was like, yes. Yeah, I was like, it's <laughs> awesome. So the way that we're doing this with direct mail is, um, so you know like wedding cards, but like like name cards, like name holders, place, place holders. cards. Yes. I know it was one of the many of the things yeah, I was I saying. You, you I know you. what I meant. I have like a million ways of saying things and I love that people get it. But anyway, um, so something of that length, I spoke about it again in a previous show, um, but this is how crazy it is. So these like little mail cards, um, it's about that length, but it's single-sided postcard. So it's like, it's like three by nine, like inches. Mm-hmm. On the front in gold writing, it's going to look like a fucking wedding invite where it's just going to say like, um, let me, uh, do you want your next sales email done or do you want your next sales letter done in 60 minutes or something along those lines or it's like let me write your next sales letter in 60 minutes mm-hmm. um and then underneath it just says turn me over and on the back it's split into three sections and there's like a testimonial there's mm-hmm. an about who i am and what i do and then there's a website to go to to basically schedule a call with me and don't worry about it guys opt into my mailing list to become one of my clients so that's basically a waiting list specifically for client intake where I basically nurture them, let them know that I'm available and I get them while they're hot and I always heat them back up. So now I have a list of people I've either worked with, am working with, or will continue to actually like get, they'll hire me eventually. So oh, that's you basically. need a pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew one of those things works that way? But I'm Who knew? Story. But using that as a direct mail piece, I already know how that's going to convert because I've, um, I've tested it to a smaller market um, just this week. I, I sent it to like five people in um, in London that I mm-hmm. knew. I just went to their house and dropped it through the door like, and just gave it to them because I knew where they lived, their friends. So I dropped it off. Three of them called me and were like, when can we have a chat? 
about the service because this is a genius and b i've been waiting for you to like have a price range that works for me so what i would do next is send it to another segment of cold right because those people already knew so they were actually warm slash hot um and i know you know this this is more for the benefit of the listeners but um instead of just saying okay i'm going to send this broad now recognize that sending it to cold cold leads is going to have a different conversion rate than the warm than the warm leads you used yeah exactly Um, Mm -hmm. even the delivery mechanism how it shows up um all of that stuff can affect the response right so handing something to someone is going to have a higher response rate than mailing it to them simply because when it's literally in their hand they're going to look at it when it's mailed they're going to look at it over the trash can um so you know, direct mail, it's so funny. There are so many people who think direct mail is dead. Yeah, they really do because they're fucking idiots. But we'll get to that in a second because I'm wary of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because unfortunately we've got to... My goodness. Yeah, we got talking for a while. Um, (laughs) So we've got like three big points I really want to like touch back on. And that was basically open loops. Mm -hmm. And like, so guys, if you haven't really figured this out... Open loops are really powerful because they help you really understand how you can start something at the beginning and end it later on. And basically, it keeps the person's attention while you're basically selling them and persuading them through your copy, your conversation, and your emails. It's basically what Joe Sugarman likes to call a greasy slide because mm-hmm. it basically oh, feels mm-hmm. you go down go down towards it. What did you say? You said something and it just... Yeah, we've opened loops throughout this entire conversation. Hell yes. Um, and you'll, when you... Once you know about open loops, you'll see them everywhere in marketing webinars, but it's basically more about that in a minute. Yeah. That's basically um, all it or, is. Oh, we'll come back to that. Like earlier, you said something about superpowers. We'll come back to that. We haven't come back to it yet. So you're still listening, wondering what Adol's going to say about superpowers. Yep. Or you're waiting for us to talk about how rabbit holes, which is we've been opening loops. And, you know, part of us doing that, I think, is just natural. <laughs> to us because this is what we do in writing all the time part of it i think is just us having a fun conversation and kind of jumping all over the place um and i think some of it's intentional but if you can do that in your copy and in your marketing you're gonna get people to consume more of it because they're gonna want to know what you're talking about they're gonna solve the problem um if you think about lost i think it's been long enough i can spoil the ending of lost but we didn't really find out anything about the smoke monster and people are mad about that because there was no close to that loop there's no close to that loop they opened it and then we never got we never got that conclusion we never got closure exactly that's basically one of the reasons it's also one of the reasons why if you've been broken if you've ever been dumped by someone and there's no reason given it will literally drive you insane for so, years. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you really want to be an asshole, uh, the next person you break up with, just don't tell them why. Yeah. <laughs> like, legit, don't even That's mention so it. That's so mean. Don't encourage it's, to uh, do No, that. I'm not encouraging to do that. You're a bad person and, by all means, a terrible <laughs> human being. But also, at the same time, if you do do it, please tweet it at me so I can turn it into a stand-up bit because I'm totally <laughs> going to use that. Um, but that is why ghosting is such a dick move. It really is. <laughs> like, Everyone hates. Yeah, and then you. The worst part is that you question. It's the questioning self that like makes oh, me laugh yeah. the most. Because you're just like, oh, for the love of God, why? 
Why I've always had, yeah, I've always had this, this like personal preference of, I don't care if it's a good outcome or a bad outcome. I just need to know. Yeah. You have severe FOMO. I do have FOMO. <laughs> I still remember when you told me, I was like, what the fuck's FOMO? Yeah. The fear of messing out. I was like, exactly. And this now is that term is everywhere. Did I invent it? Maybe. You might have been the first. Am I the Joe Benson of meme language? John Benson. John Benson. It's like Joe, Joe. Joe. Damn it. Of my husband. I was like, I'm going to have to tell Joe that I invented this. I forgot. <laughs> and then I said Joe. You were halfway through one thought. <laughs> oh, my God. This is my ADD brain. <laughs> Uh-huh. I am. I, I'm the John, the John Benson of meme language. I invented FOMO. Yes, you did. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. My mom told me she invented the YMCA dance, so it runs in the family. Did she invent the YMCA dance, though? <laughs> That's the thing. If she did, I'll be backing that shit up all day. <laughs> I don't but think she did. Anyway, so what I was saying was, so that's just like another example, by the way, of open loops and how they work. And like to wrap it up on that whole superpower thing, you got to really start understanding as a copywriter what your superpower is. It could be very similar to everyone else, but there's a very unique way that you use it. Yes, you're an excellent copywriter, but there is somewhere that you're brilliant at. And for me, my brilliance is I can look at anything and reek and rip the story out of it and turn it into this magical thing that makes money. And I know that because I've done it for so many years and I know exactly the mechanisms of what works. At the same time, however, does that take away my competence as a direct response, old school copywriter? No. Right. But the thing is, my superpower is something new and incredible because it's something very few copywriters I know they can do. And I think I only know about seven copywriters that total that can verbalize copy from like on the cuff and just go. And you have to record it because what they spout is pure gold. Um, I'm one of them. That's what I mean. Seven. Me and Allison definitely on that list. The right. others are like Jay Abraham, John Benson, and right. <laughs> uh, John Carlton. And there's like two others. Dan Kennedy can't. And I know because I asked him and he basically couldn't actually answer me in copy. But that doesn't make him any less brilliant at what he can do. I think exactly. that's really important. Yeah, because Dan's um, uh, so Dan's superpower is attraction marketing and figuring out how to get people to come towards you. He's incredible mm -hmm. at that. Allison's superpower is basically setting up your pipeline so people can actually understand your personality and who you are while ultimately teaching you, just like we all can, because a really good copywriter can teach copywriting, um, in my opinion. Not all of them. Not all of them, but I'm saying a good copywriter. Actually, that's I'll take that not, back. No, I'll take that back. Not all of them. Not Again, all copyrights that's another little superpower. Yeah, teaching is another thing. I was just thinking that. I was like, wait, no. I know some copyrights that are good that shit teachers. So correct, and yeah. not all, not all teach all good. Not all good teachers are great copywriters either. So that's another exactly. thing. Like some of my teachers were, were not great copywriters, but they they knew their stuff. Anyway, the reason I'm getting to this is you know your superpower. So Allison's other superpower that she has, the, I, what would you say your unique one is? Because I know it for one way, but I want to know what yours is, what you believe it yeah, is. Yeah, so what I really am good at is the empathy part of it. I actually was, gonna, I was actually going to go with that's part of it, but I wouldn't say that's your superpower. No? Your superpower Like putting is... myself in the shoes of the customer and really no. like – spouting out the experience they have to me that's what it is so i'm interested to hear what you think 
I don't think that the reason I don't think that's your ultimate superpower, that is something that you are like ultimate at, is because, and I say this with ego, so just saying, and you know it's with love. But no, I actually know I can do that. I know two other guys that can do that really, really well. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't detract from the fact you're fucking amazing at it because it's a rare skill. Right. But the thing that you do better than anyone else that I've ever seen is write evergreen copy. Mm. You literally write copy that lasts the test of time and still converts for years. Like, it's something that just keeps going. And that's the incredible (laughs) thing. Like, overall, like, and when I say evergreen copy, by the way, there's a very distinct difference here. If you're writing product launch copy and evergreen copy, when you launch it, that's not a baseline of conversion, by the way. That's basically going to be taken into the median of the first year because that baseline might be 20%. But then every month thereafter, it might be 5%. And if you're consistent 5%, it's going to take into the account 18 and then add the fives along and you're going to get your average. And that's how you know what your control is. Allison will basically keep that consistency from like launch, post-launch and consistent throughout the month. So you won't see it dip below as often. You'll just see it as consistently quite good. And that's her superpower in my opinion. I have a client I wrote some evergreen copy for and she, um, we did lead generation launch and then evergreen and, um, her lead, her opt-in rate increased by 21%, um, which is a huge jump. And she was converting it 25% average to the sale. Right. And that's what I mean. That's your superpower. In my opinion. You're right. You're right. I have that- some stats to back that up. exactly (laughs) fuck yeah and you have like my word which is kind of worth something apparently Eh. in the copywriting circles it is (laughs) i'm just kidding bitches just mean to me now but okay we're one of my favorite friends i know it's out of love i know pretty much like family this is like she bullies me she's like a big sister it's what we do we still haven't played borderlands with me which i know you know what you so we have that. my Christmas. No. So here's the thing. We have my Christmas tree in my living room, which means we had to move my recliner. And now the only spot where I can sit and play is too far away from the TV for me to see the stupid subtitles. And I can't see the screen. Fine. January, me and you, we're going to do this. <laughs> because Borderlands, the, yeah, if you're, Borderlands. If you play Borderlands. You know. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Huh? They all, they they know. If you don't know, just go what just just do me a, a favor and Google Tiny Tina. Like best oh, of Tiny she's Tina. My favorite person ever. Borderlands 2. Tiny Tina is like so hilarious. I fucking love her. She's funny as fuck. My husband wants to do Halloween costumes with my son as Claptrap, him as Handsome Jack, and me as Moxie. But I yes. told him that I will only do it if I can be Tiny Tina. Okay, if you're if you're doing Tiny Tina, here's how I would break down that that entire breakdown. He goes as handsome Jack. <laughs> Jack. Your kid goes as Claptrap. Mm-hmm. Or and you go as Tiny Tina. Or more so, you yeah. can do your son goes as Bloodwing. He goes as Mordecai, and you go as Tiny Tina. Yeah, we'd have to have my kid be Claptrap. He loves Claptrap. I know. Or he can be tra- Claptrap. He doesn't. He can be like Mordecai and, you know. <laughs> I love Mordecai, okay? Anyway, I do. He's my favorite. Look, 
Um, actually, no, in case somebody hasn't played it, I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. But I'll just say, regarding that specific storyline with Mordecai and Bloodwing, I am still angry. Oh, my God, yes. But at the same time, so emotional, right? I cried like a little bitch. <laughs> I don't blame you. I had that with Gears of War 3. I haven't played that one. Oh, my God. Okay, so just very quickly, and this is a fucking copywriting lesson and something I make all my junior writers do. You have to go watch. And it's a five-hour-long study or six-hour-long study. Totally worth it, by the way. It's overall going to take you about 12 hours. Actually, it's going to take you 18 hours to basically really study it because you've got to watch it twice. So the first time, I want you to watch... Uh, actually, you can do it once, I guess. Watch Gears of War all cut scenes from 1 to 3. Like, Gears of War 1, 2, or 3. The reason is because it builds up the story so perfectly all the way through the three games. And then there's a moment that, like, is just so... Actually, fuck it. I don't care. Spoilers. It's still going to make you cry like a little bitch. Because, you know, you see it coming. Dom, one of the two main characters from the first two games... You see his psychological break to where he sacrifices himself, but it's so emotional that you fucking cry. Mm-hmm. It is an insane thing. And that's a story on emotional empathy, bitches. With that said, I'm going to, I don't want to end it with that. I actually did want to end it with that. But like what I want to say real quick before we do that, because there's two segments I really want to cover and we've got about two or three minutes to go with it. Number one, what are your top three books that you'd recommend everyone read? Go. Ultimate sales letter. Right. Oh, Ogilvy on advertising. Yep. Um, something fiction. Yeah, but what fiction? Reading fiction makes you better writer. Agreed. Chris Carter, Crucifix Killer, gets my vote for that. If you haven't read it, it's a detective novel. It's super fucking creepy and crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like super I don't care boring. what it is. I read trashy. I read trashy beach novels. I don't care what it is. Just fiction. Good fiction that sells. By the way, that helps as well. Like, because you'll know trashy happy. indie fiction that works too. Yeah, trashy indie care. fiction sounds trashy indie fiction. Let, sounds. yeah, it does. Just let your imagination go. Yeah, cool. And uh, last question as well. Uh, actually, fuck it. This is you can kind of go with this. Um, if you actually, actually, no, fuck it. I'm not going to ask this question. I was going to ask this question. It's about like, how do you get yourself back up after you get yourself knocked down? We all know the answer, friends, and more importantly, basically keep doing the work. Yes. But what that, I know that because we've asked, I've asked you that before, and that's the ones that you told me, and it's because we're right out then put your big girl panties on. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And finally, with our last two minutes, because I do want to end the show on something like this is kind of incredible. Uh, Allison, what is your number one thing, like your number one secret that you can teach someone in one minute? Go. Formula for a uh, um, attention-getting headline is audience plus benefit plus time minus objection. So um, you would shout out who you're talking to, tell them what they get, tell them how quickly they can get it, and overcome a reason they wouldn't want it. So, for instance, here's um, like, have you ever wanted to write a book uh, but always find yourself getting distracted? If so, then write your first book in 14 days even if you've never had even if you've never had an english degree or something like that that's a terrible example but something like that yeah so it'd be like um attention wannabe authors get your first book done and selling for you in 14 days or less even if you don't even if you've never written as much as a blog post exactly there we go this is why we tag team guys because sometimes i can say really creative shit and it works and sometimes she just 
polishes it up. And this is how we work, damn it. This is why collaboration works. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace out. So, yeah, I love audience you guys. Plus benefit plus time minus objection. Just is wanted the- to reiterate re- re- formula. Excellent. <laughs> Peace out, guys. I'll see you on next week. It's been an amazing time. Allison, you've been awesome as always. Thank you. I'll see you guys Thank you. soon. Bye.